When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you hear an eerie sound coming across Dallas, that's me screaming at night, wanting to get in a position to get a Super Bowl. Sometimes the moment does get a little too big for people. Tom Brady lights up in these opportunities. We got some players on our team where the moment's not too big. Everything that you do is for these times, for these moments, and for these games, and it's going to be a war, and we're exactly up for that. Welcome to NFL Live, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tonight's going to be special. Tom Brady and the Bucks versus Dak Prescott and the Cowboys with their season on the line. A grand finale to Super Wild Card Weekend layered with drama and intrigue. About five hours away, is this the GOAT's last run? Can the Cowboys overcome their postseason woes and win tonight as the pressure mounts? Mina, what has you most excited? I am so excited for the return of Bucks offensive lineman Ryan Jensen. You guys remember he got hurt during training camp. And we we're talking about one of the best centers in the NFL. He's so nasty. He's the identity of the offensive line. Now, we don't know what he's going to look like coming back from injury or even if he's going to play center. But if he can just buy Brady a tick longer in the pocket, they can punish that, that Dallas secondary. I love that, MK. Listen, this is a Mike Evans football game. Mike Evans is a future Hall of Famer. The Tampa Bay Buccaneer wide receiver in week 17 finally got that connection back going with Tom Brady. This Dallas secondary, when you throw the ball outside towards their corners, since the bye week, they give up nine yards per attempt. This has got to be a game of slants. This has got to be a game of stop routes, and it's got to be a game of go routes. If Tampa Bay is going to win at home, it's going to be because Mike Evans dominates this Dallas back end. Yeah, that's why me and my spirit animal, because we stick to the trenches together. <laughs> I'm going the big fella Vita Vea in the interior of this line of scrimmage for the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers. He said We've talked about how much Tom Brady struggles with interior pressure. Well, we know Dak turning the football over. This offensive line has not blocked well in the passing game for the Dallas Cowboys. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is going to make some hay, I think the big fella going to have a lot to do with it. Hey, we're at Bucks Beach for the next two hours in the shadow of Raymond James Stadium, although not many shadows out here right this Thank second. Thank God. It's sunny and beautiful. <laughs> hey, bro. We just saw Mina Kimes, Marcus Spears, Dan Orlovsky, Adam Schefter joins us right. well. We got a great crowd out here, too. We what up, people? Cowboys fans. What up, people? Think they're ready for this game or what? They know what this means. So many Cowboy fans. I think they're going to be more as they get. A lot of them like Swagoo. Well, I don't we like travel them. well. We yeah, travel we well. Do. We do things the right way. Okay? We got beautiful you colors. You just don't. All of those things, you know? Were you about to say when? when? Okay. Wow. Anyway, so we're off to a hot start. 
Let's go ahead and get <laughs> to take that from Domino's pregame headquarters where we welcome in Ed Werder ahead of this game. Ed, what do we know now just less than five hours away from kickoff? <laughs> I wish you'd quit saying five hours from kickoff. Uh, Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy says he has zero concerns about Dak Prescott, which seems a rather remarkable statement. The Cowboys quarterback threw a career-high 15 interceptions despite missing five starts, has a career-long seven-game interception streak, and has three pick-sixes in his last four games. Each of those has encouraged defeat and inspired doubt about a Cowboys team that has proven it just can't be trusted. McCarthy's first objective tonight is to create immediate rhythm and success for Prescott against a defense he describes as not providing much free offense. It must be earned. I asked receiver C.D. Lamb about Prescott's confidence, and he said, quote, we believe in him as a team and his ability to lead us where we want to go, and that's Arizona. You know, the Bucs focused their coverage on Lamb in week one, held him to two receptions on 11 targets for a season-low 29 yards. Prescott now has better secondary options with Michael Gallup healthy and veteran T.Y. Hilton playing more snaps every week. And Laura, Prescott says he trusts the defense to handle Tom Brady, and that starts with second-year pass rusher Micah Parsons being used again as both an edge rusher and an off-the-ball linebacker. Dan Quinn wants to create some disguise, force Brady to hold on to the ball just one more second for that Dallas pass rush to create problems. We love to hear it. Uh, Ed, so here you go. No more five hours. Now it's four hours and 55 minutes. <laughs> so much better. So much better. Ed's ready to kick this thing off. Thanks so much to Ed Werder. Okay, so you heard what Ed just mentioned there, Swagoo. It's got your legs all dancing about Micah Parsons. How should they be using him tonight? At the line of scrimmage. Letting him get after Tom Brady. That's what I'm talking about. Listen. Michael Parsons in this game, the first week of the season, I thought was too much of an off-the-ball linebacker. And obviously, you want to use him to create some protection issues. But he does his best work at the line of scrimmage. You see here, these were two big sacks in this game after turnovers where you bump him up to the edge rusher. He can go inside or outside, take that move, even though they need to communicate that better. But it's about how fast he can win in this rush. We know Tom Brady loves to get rid of the football 2.4 seconds on average. Michael Parsons can get to the quarterback in that time. So I think you got to have him hovering around that line of scrimmage more than sitting off and letting him try to diagnose everything. Makes this game simple for him. Let his athletic ability take over in this football game. And we know the best chance to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is to affect Tom Brady. Yeah, we're on Bucks cowboys for the rest of these two hours. And, of course, the coverage continues right up until kickoff right here on ESPN ABC, the ESPN and ABC family of networks. But let's get back to some of Super Wild Card Weekend that was crazy. We Ooh. go to the Bengals and the Ravens. Got to get y'all's take on this. No Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. So Tyler Huntley gets the start for them. We go to the fourth fourth quarter the Ravens are with the ball this game is tied Huntley running down the left sideline eventually pushed out of bounds it's a great tackle by secondary Bates for Cincinnati I mean he might score if not and then obviously the quarterback sneak he tries to go over the top punched out and Hubbard's going 98 yards the other way yeah what a play by Sam Hubbard Look how fast we are you Look do wonder yeah the big men are fast you do big man balling about that call at the one yard line we'll continue to talk about that as the Bengals able to take a 24 to 17 lead yeah yeah of right. course the Bengals defense is ready for it well they always are they're pros two minutes left in the game fourth and inches and Huntley able to rush ahead to keep the drive alive the Ravens still trail by seven we're gonna pick it up with eight seconds left in the game 
final chance for the Ravens. Fourth and 20 on this one. So Huntley drops it back, heaving it to the end zone. The ball is deflected, but unable to catch oh, the deflection there. So, so the Hail Mary falls Look at short. This. Watch Prochet on the left side. Fingertips. Oh, oh my gosh. Fingertips. It was close, but no cigar. So that means they advance, the Bengals do, to face the Bills in the divisional round. Plenty to talk about there. Let's start, though, with that Bengals O-line, Dan. What issues did you have with them last night? Well, the butterfly effect that it has on the quarterback. Three out of those five starters are out. And I think once you see Jonah Williams go out, you watch Joe. There's a difference between playing fast and playing cautious. And we've praised Joe Burrow this year because... He's taking what the defense is giving him, like make sure the ball gets out when they're taking or they're giving you those completions. But when Baltimore started to not only give you those short completions, but also shrink down yeah. on the coverage, you're like, he's starting to play a little cautious rather than being completion driven, quote unquote. And that's my concern coming off of last night is you're taking what the superpower of Joe Burrow is, is pre-snap figuring out where's the matchup, where's the weakness of the defense and exploiting it to thinking, I can't try to exploit the defense because the ball has to come out so quickly. The Bengals are in a world of hurt if all three of those five starters stay hurt. Uh, yeah, and you mentioned that. Uh, so the latest on there is that Jonah Williams will throw up Ben Baby's tweet, our Bengals reporter. He has a dislocated kneecap. He is God. week to week as they now face off against a really mm. difficult Bills team. Mina, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was watching this game with an eye to the Ravens defense because they play Cincinnati so well. Sure. Shout out to Mike McDonald. You know, not getting to watch that defense anymore actually bums <laughs> me out because they were playing such good football at the end. And they did that for a number of reasons. Used a lot of disguise, showed pressure, dropped out. They actually rushed three with great success in this game. Yeah. The page out of Lou Anarumo's playbook. But when I was watching them, I wasn't thinking only the Ravens can do this against Cincinnati. When Jonah Williams went out, I was thinking, ah. Oh, any defense is going to have success against this offensive line. And Joe Burrow's gotten so good at getting the ball out quickly this year. It's one of the great improvements he's made from last year to this one. But like you said, the margin for error for him is so small yeah. now. Every down, he has to be perfect. And, and MK, one thing I want to point out, because everyone continues to say, well, he took them to the Super Bowl last year with a battle line, but defenses played them. Very so differently, differently last year. You know, he still was able to take shots down. Yesterday they had zero explosive plays in the game. The last time a team did that in the playoffs and won was 17 it's, years no ago. No one's going to man them up on the outside exactly. anymore the way That's they my did concern. last season. Totally. Well, and you think about that Bengals defense. They're a piece of this story, too. It, what was the issue there for them? Luana Romo made some great adjustments, but quarterback run was their issue. And when you look at down the line, you know, I tell you guys this all the time. We know Josh Allen and what the Buffalo Bills are going to go to right. when they need plays. And perceivably, if you get to Kansas City, the one thing that's very underrated is Patrick Mahomes' legs in the playoffs. But when you look at what Huntley was able to do, and I know that this is a little different centric of an offense with the uh, Baltimore yeah, Ravens. Yeah, it's tough to it's very match up against. All of the options. But when you think about what you can actually do against the Bengals because they adjust so well, is add that 11th guy on offense and try to take advantage of some of those three-man rushes that they try to run. They try to put Sam Hubbard sometimes in the spy. You got to find some issues with this defense outside of just lining up and playing straight-up football. And the two opponents that they have to face down the road, 
they can major in that. Right. And they can use also use personnel to get them in favorable situations with quarterback run. That was the one issue I saw with them outside of a few other things. But mainly, if I'm if I'm the Buffalo Bills and Ken Darcy and I'm looking at that. 15 carries for Josh I'm Allen. getting Josh Allen going. They can run. Okay, so later in the show, we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens locker room, how they're responding to some of the narrative out there around him. You don't want to miss that. And so much more coming your way from Tampa Bay as we get you ready for Bucks against Cowboys. Boys, we're just getting started. Hey, the Bills were able to hang on. They pulled out a close one against the Dolphins. But here, why Dan is comparing Josh Allen to his 2019 self. We'll tell you more. Plus, Dallas, will they break their eight-game road losing streak? Yeah! Marcus thinks the boys have the defense to do to. Yeah! Pre-game headquarters is brought to you by Domino's. Get a taste of variety when you order off of the Domino's Mix and Match menu. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. NFL Live is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Back to the action of Super Wild Card Weekend up until this point. We pick it up with the Bills hosting the Dolphins in an AFC Wild Card matchup. This one we get to in the second half. The Bills are up 20-17. to 17 And this is a guy, Zach Seiler, that we knew was going to have a good game. Right, Marcus? Sprinkle me, man. Sprinkle me, man. <laughs> I told y'all the big fella was going to ball. He did his thing in this game. And he had to the tune of almost two and a half sacks. Ooh, stat sheet. Dolphins took the lead. There's later in the third first and goal for the Bills. Allen to Cole Beasley. He dives in the end zone. They added him in, and the Bills reclaimed the lead. So the next Bills possession, Allen looking for Gabe Davis. Spectacular toe-tap catch right here, Dan. This is a sick throw by Josh Allen. Just seeing that safety drift in, and then you talked about it, the sideline catch by Gabe Davis was special. Let's go to the fourth quarter. Dolphins with first and goal. And Jeff Wilson in. taking the handoff, diving in for the score. The Dolphins cut the deficit. They just want to go away. They were so feisty in this one. A few possessions later for the Dolphins. Pay attention to the play clock. They're forced to burn the Dolphins oh. on their final timeout to prevent a delay of game. This was what are a we doing? We'll hear from him in a moment about that. No timeouts remaining. So later in the possession, it's third and two. And Salvat Ahmed takes the handoff. He's incredibly close to the first down, but some confusion. And he was ruled just short. That was kind of a theme there as the Dolphins were trying to make something happen on fourth and one. Play clock again. No. Dolphins flag for delay of game, and that'll make it fourth and six. So fourth down, the season is on the line. Remember, no Teddy Bridgewater, no Tua Tungabailoa. Skylar Thompson looking for Mike Gesicki, but that one's going to be incomplete. And the Bills survive a close one. 
So the Dolphins not able to get it done. The Bills escape with a win, but it wasn't pretty, okay? Josh Allen sacked seven times, threw two interceptions, lost a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. Allen, the fifth QB in the Super Bowl era to be sacked at least seven times and turn the ball over three times in a playoff game. Guys, a positive for Allen. He's the only one in that group that ended up actually winning the game. It is pretty remarkable that he was able to do it. And Mina, what did you make of Allen's performance? I mean, watching him, you would have thought, he was the double-digit underdog, not Skylar Thompson, because <laughs> he was playing like it. Like, the amount of hero ball was not tenable. There is no reason why he should have had an average depth of target of 15 yards in this game. And I know Dolphin, or probably Bills fans are a bit frustrated with their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, and I don't think he was perfect. I think the Bills should be varying the personnel groupings a little bit more. Yeah. But a lot of those deep incompletions, guys were open underneath yeah. and Josh was just passing them up and I, I, I it's almost like he's reverted to his younger self in some ways and undone a little bit of the progress we saw from him as a quarterback mm. recently but that's got to change because they're going to play fa face off against better quarterbacks and his margin for error is going to be smaller. Before you jump in can I so average depth of target is that meaning every time he throws the ball or, or air completion? yards per attempt. Per attempt. Per attempt. 15 yards. So every yeah. time he threw the ball he averaged throwing it 15 yards down yes. the field. That's a lot. We're all no, three pointers. Yeah. Basically. I'm, I'm going to, to your point, Mina, to piggyback off of you. It may be why, it could be a reason why this offensive line struggles mm. a lot, right? You think about time in his hand and also taking those underneath. But look, we'll focus on the seven sacks. Focus on how many pressures were in this game yeah. and how many times he had to move off the spot in order to make a play. And, and, and look, Y'all know me. I'm, I love crushing quarterbacks. I like killing them. I like when they don't play well, so oh, I can we say know. something bad about them. <laughs> no. But really? Josh Allen is playing how he has to play right now because I think there are some deficiencies in this offensive line that is starting to be glaring. Now, I did that to say, I don't want to come on the show and tell y'all this every damn week, okay? But they don't want to run the football. But, Marcus, so, they can't. Listen, you always say that. But they're not good at it. You got to figure out some type of formation, something to create so this guy can get off of his arm. I will tell you, I think that yesterday there were some moments of 12 personnel, one back, two tight end when they, they went tight end off. wing relatively well and 22, two back, two I, tight end. Just, I, I, but that's the only time it works out well. It's hard for me to hear that a professional football team that needs to run the football can't. But let me, let, let, I, I think it's important to like, okay, so... They get into those personnels, and it's a very predictable run situation. Right. They try to run the ball out of their, like, 11 spread gun, and they'll get into second and 11. That's what And I'm that saying. bad offensive line gets exposed. That's why I wish they went with some of their heavier groupings and threw out of them a little bit I more agree. to keep defenses on. Y'all always want to throw the ball. Well, I, it's against I, Miami. They have a good run defense, but they weren't, they're not good against quick game, and I thought that they would have thrown it short a bit. I, I think the way I would describe Josh yesterday was frantic. And yeah. when Josh has, like, that frantic mind, then he has frantic eyes, and then he has frantic feet. That got them into the hole, but the reality is they win the game by three. And that's because of the drive right before the half when he's special Josh Allen. Up top, Gabe Davis has a best release. You can go outside or inside. Tight end has a seam. It's cover two, trying to two on one. So he goes inside. That's great. Now Josh has got to pump the tight end. See how that safety, you can see his chest now. Now I've got that whole shot to the sideline. That happens because of the inside release and the pump fake by Josh. That's great, Josh Allen. Now third and six, again, right before the half. He's got to climb the pocket immediately, but so often yesterday he took off and ran. This time he just takes off, realizes he's got Gabe on the crosser versus man, little flick of the wrist. So those are the good, and they win the game because of it. 
But again, they were in that situation because too much of this. It's man-to-man -man with the safety kind of dropping down to pay attention to Josh and his legs. He is going to put his back foot on the ground, and now he takes off and becomes a runner. He's going to have a crosser for an 80-plus yard touchdown if he just plays quarterback and climbs the pocket instead of taking off. So I would disagree with you thinking that Josh has to play that way. I actually think Josh has to just reel it because I don't think they're good enough because of the injuries on defense. I think I want him to reel it in just a little bit and quarterback more than rather than just be thinking you have to be a playmaker. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you brought up the point that he should be running it, what, 15-plus times against the Bengals. And you Design wonder, runs, how, yes. Right, but you got to rein it in. Yeah. There is a mix there. We'll be talking about that all week long, and there's a lot more coming your way today. Danny Dimes had a day putting up record-setting numbers in Minnesota, but here, who we believe was the hero of the game. Don't worry, we're going to give Danny so Dimes good, his love, too. You're watching NFL Live, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. We're back from Tampa Bay in just moments. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh boy, do we have a treat for you tonight. Super Wild Card Weekend culminates 8 Eastern on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN+. Plus. It's Dak Prescott and the Cowboys squaring off against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Our megacast coverage also includes Peyton and Eli on ESPN2 and our ESPN Deportes Spanish language version. Don't miss it. The coverage is wall-to-wall -wall here on ESPN as well. We now welcome in Adam Schefter for more on tonight. And Adam, big news around Ryan Jensen. What more can you tell us? Well, how about this? On the second day of training camp, Ryan Jensen suffered a knee injury that landed him on injured reserve. Well, this morning, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers activated Ryan Jensen, and he is expected to play tonight, which will be a big boost to Tampa's offensive line against Marcus Spears' Cowboys. The, Cow the Buccaneers' offensive line has been dealing with injuries, but the fact that they get a Pro Bowl center back to a wild card game is a big move for Tampa. Meanwhile, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, he's scheduled to interview for the Denver Broncos head coaching job on Friday. So we'll have to see whether the Cowboys win and advance to Sunday's game against the 49ers in the divisional playoff. And even if they don't win, Dan Quinn will have that interview on Friday right now as he gets ready for another round of talks with the Broncos. Remember last year, they considered him before hiring Nathaniel Hackett.
Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, four and a half hours away from kickoff. More Adam on the way on NFL Live. Thanks for being with us, Adam. Let's follow up yes, a little there. bit more on Ryan Jensen and what it could mean. I mean, the return could come at a really good time for the Bucks, depending on how they play him, as they take on the Cowboys, who have arguably the best pass rush in the NFL. Dallas has pressured opposing quarterbacks on nearly 40% of their dropbacks, best in the league. On the other hand, the Bucks O-line ranked 25th in pass block win rate during the regular season. So, Dan, what issue do you have though with this Cowboys defense they consistently play single high safety man coverage on first down I don't have any issue with them playing man on third down when they want to get their pressure package going but when the Dan Quinn has them playing man coverage one-on-one -on -one on the outside on first down my job as an offense is so easy I'm just gonna find the corner that's opposite Trayvon Diggs and I'm gonna throw right at him and you can see a first clip where they're going to play first down, single high safety. That means one guy in the middle field, it's press man. Up top, Trayvon's down at the bottom off. That's great. I'm throwing up top. Stop route, balls out on time. My guy is good. This is Chris Godwin tonight. This is cookies. One-on-one, -on -one, stop route becomes a nine-yard completion. Yards after the catch to 20. That's first and 10. Again, first and 10. Trayvon down at the bottom. Now the corner up top, he's going to play off. Great. Here, I'm going to take my shot. This is the reality. When you line up and play this way with Chris or Mike tonight, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady are going to take their opportunities to push the ball on those opportunities. And here's the thing. When you do that on first down, number one, you make my job easy as an offensive guy. Number two, your blitz package is done because I, I minimize it. And three, I don't have to think. It's recess. My guy better than your guy. Dan Quinn's got to help that corner opposite Trayvon Diggs on early downs tonight. Here's my concern. The Cowboys defense have two clear weaknesses. One is what you just described, which is you can go after defensive backs, not named Trevon Diggs. The other <laughs> is defending the run horizontally off tackle. The problem is Tampa can't run off tackle. Second worst yards per carry in the NFL. And we have seen that despite that, despite the fact that they would be so much better off throwing on first down, yes. they'll still run it. Yes. And, and, and my prayer is like Byron Leftwich. Come just on. In this game, change your tendencies <laughs> offensively because you can absolutely exploit what you just described on Dallas' defense. No, totally. And coming off what you just said, Dio, the single high is full run support, right? Like, Dan Quinn knows what we know and, and what we've been watching, trying to get an extra guy down. Here's the other part, too. Like, that, this whole game should be about Dallas getting Tampa to third and long. So whatever you need to do to allow your pass rush and that, that rabbit formation that he has with all of those rushes to get to this point. One, because we know Tom wants to get the ball out of his hands fast. Right. If you're in third and seven plus, you ain't getting the ball out of your hands fast if guys are coming up and playing strong coverage. And then two, you get a chance to gain. Right? Remember us talking about Dallas earlier in the, the third season? Down, but it was third off down the charts. package. Yeah. And then, too, when you don't bring an extra rusher, you have those Armstrongs, Micah, Fowler, Demarcus Lawrence, those guys just running games and attacking protection as well. So there is the issue for tonight. Yeah. The run game gets going for Can Tampa. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Are they good enough defensively to have really good, impactful run game stunts, not blitz game on third down, but run? are they good enough? The problem is the girth of the guys on the interior. Like, you got to be – that three technique and the zero technique, the two defensive tackles, they got to be humming, bro. If you're going to run games against the run, those dudes got to be able to scrape and literally get to an outside zone if gotcha. it's coming, right? So th there's your issue. If you feel good about those guys being able to do that, cool. Let, let DeMarcus Lawrence take an inside route and, and let your D-tackle rub off of it. But if he can't get there – 
Gotcha. And you giving up the edge immediately, you gas. Mm. I will remind you that when the two teams met in week one, Micah Parsons sacked Brady twice. You like the way that you heard yeah. about the Cowboys talking about using Micah tonight. Absolutely. We'll watch out for that. Time now for the fan duel, same game parlay. We go to Mina for this one. All right, Come Mina. on, AK. So, Mina, over, Mina, under. Mina. A half interception for Dak tonight. I'm sorry, Cowboys fans. I'm Don't going over it. on oh, this God. one. I mean, the guy's thrown a pick in his last seven games. He's facing an opportunistic Bucks defense. Wow. And a defense coordinator in Todd Bowles who knows how to design a blitz. Wow. I think he will give one away. She's turned. Let's go. Over under one and a half touchdown passes for Tom Brady. Over again. Oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> You'll like my last one. Um, Tom Brady, first half of the season, averaged 1.1 touchdowns, second half 1.8. As we've been discussing, there are weaknesses in that Dallas secondary. I think he'll take advantage I of I like the reasoning why. Does Ezekiel Elliott score a touchdown oh, no. tonight? Oh, no. Yes. Hey! Yes. Um, in part because of opportunities. Zeke gets uh, the third most touches inside the 10-yard line of any running back in the NFL. They want to feed him in the low red zone, and they will. You yeah, so right back off the lead. Yeah. We was, we was <laughs> Marcus is uh, sliding out of his chair He's... as a result of that. By the way, we're going to pick this game a little bit later, so we'll really see who gets booed I'm out here. Now. You've heard our picks. Now you can make your own. You Build money. a same-game parlay with FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Let's get back to some of the great action from Super Wild card weekend for this one. We go to Giants and the Vikings. This is a fun one. There were some people up here who might have picked the Giants. One of them is Marcus Spears. Well, 14 know. to 7 game, midway through the second Jeez. quarter, third and two from the Vikings, 27. Daniel Jones keeps it, picking up the first down, the 12 yard game. Difference maker, Dan Orlovsky. Beautiful designed run on third and two. You got lead blockers out front. You can use your quarterback's athletic legs. First drive of the second half, Giants, second and seven. Shocking. Vikings, nine. Daniel Jones in the red zone, bootlegging to his left. How? So Pay how attention, do they not see Minnesota. That Giants lead. 24 to 14. Here's Minnesota with another chance, and Kirk Cousins connects with Irv Smith Jr. for the three-yard touchdown. 24 to 21 game. Early fourth quarter. It's the same score. The Vikings going for it on fourth and one from the Giants 16. Dan Cousins tries to get the sneak, but there is a flag on the play. You see the up-close view. I probably would have jumped if there was 600 pounds of meat in front of me as well. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, you would have. More of a chicken guy. All right, so <laughs> ensuing Giants drive. It's second and 10 from Minnesota 45. Jones to Isaiah Hodgins. Mina, you pointed him out guy. as a potential difference just maker. children guy. all over this league. Look at that size oh, yes. and spatial awareness. Hodgins finished with 105 yards in yeah. the game. The Giants driving later in the drive with under eight to play. First and goal from the two. Excuse me, that may not be first and goal oh. from the two. We're going to continue on. That's fourth <laughs> down so oh, good job wow. there but the vikings not able to get it done the giants hold on to oh, win it 31 to 24 and daniel jones put the giants on his back yesterday yes. throwing for 301 yards two touchdowns while also leading the team with 78 rushing yards he's the third qb in nfl history to have at least 300 passing yards and 75 rushing yards in a playoff game he joins lamar jackson and steve young in that category jones is the only one among this group that also had multiple touchdown passes He's the only QB that won the game. That's the most important stat. Dan, what did you like about the Giants' game plan on offense, first of all? Daniel Jones was impressive, but his head coach and play caller, Mike Kafka, were evenly, equally impressive. And I know what I'm about to say, but Mike Kafka reminds me of a young Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, the way he attacks defenses Ooh. and not just calls plays. So this is 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. Bunch to the top. 
Ball's on the bottom, right hash, okay? Now they're gonna motion that tight end over. Now when I set that bunch, that's a nickelback. We call them little people, okay? And then the jet motion's gonna come, so I take a bunch from the top and make it a bunch at the bottom. I'm gonna pull the center and that left tackle. Remember, the nickel is the guy that's left up top. I'm gonna kick this ball to Saquon. Now I have big body blocking little body, big blocking body blocking little body. That is a great play design for the Saquon touchdown. Now we go down into the red zone, 12 personnel. Two tight ends are up top. What I'm gonna do is pull my left tackling, left guard. I'm gonna ball fake and I'm gonna go counter Saquon. Now watch Patrick Peterson, because those two tight ends are one, two counting. They switch release, the inside guy goes outside. Patrick follows the outside guy down and that's Daniel Bellinger for a wide open touchdown. Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan to me are like the greatest formation manipulators, personnel managers. Mike Kafka is becoming that. The way they use their 21 personnel, the way they used Matt Breida as a wide receiver multiple times yeah. yesterday. And honestly, I watched and I was like, man, they use Saquon the same way San Francisco uses Christian McCaffrey when it comes to the variance of touches. As great as Daniel played, and he was great, the coaching by New York right now is special. Yeah, I think obviously it starts at the top with Brian Dable. Got to be 100%. a favorite for coach of the year. It, it wasn't just the offense, though, Marcus. What did you yeah. like defensively with the Giants? Y'all ever been to a monster truck rally? Yeah, oh, here. No. I, I came to monster truck here Everybody, years ago. That's what the New Good York time. Giants defensive line looked like. Monster Ooh. trucks, okay? Because <laughs> they are so <laughs> physical and they get after the passer. And the great thing that Wink Martindale, Wink Martindale, defense coordinator for the New York Giants, in case y'all don't know, he loves the blitz. He loves to bring more people than you you can block well you don't have to when you have brute force on the defensive line you can commit four guys to getting after the passer and they gave Kirk Cousins problems all night but I love the fact that when you look at the Giants play defensively and offensively one they play complimentary football but they know exactly who they are defensively yeah. our dominant unit on this side of the ball is our defensive line we gonna lean into that and make everyone behind them jobs easier. That's why you get a fourth and eight and a pressure on Kirk Cousins without having to send the extra pressure. And you tell your guys, look, tackle on the back end, it's gonna come Who's out. the fast. grave digger? Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence I like that. completely took over this football game. Oh my I don't God. think it can be understated enough rewatching how dominant he was rushing from the nose. I love when you I talk mean, about D lineman. He's one of the three best defense you tackles in the league, I would say. Yes. So you talked a little bit about Wink Martindale, slide dog, <laughs> changing up those tendencies, uh, blitzing on only 20% of dropbacks, yeah. second lowest of the season. They got punished for blitzing the last time these teams met. The other thing he did was they played a ton of quarters in this game. We were yeah. talking about this earlier. Basically just sitting on everything yeah. and then tackling. And that's what struck me. You know, they had Xavier McKinney back in this game and Adore Jackson. If you had asked me before the season, I would have said this giant secondary is maybe the worst in the NFL. Mm. They have improved so much. Yeah. They were limiting every Minnesota pass catcher after the catch, and that's a big part of the reason why they were. I don't usually do Market. this. Y'all want a dope stat? Yeah. yeah, sure. Dope stat, all right? Okay. When Justin Jefferson goes over 90 yards, yeah. the Minnesota Vikings score 28 points a game. They're 10-1 and one on the season. Okay. When he's held under 90, they're 3-3, three and three and they average 18 points a game. Dope. That was dope. Who got you that? Hey, listen. I don't know. You said, you said that Don Martindale makes you call him Don until yeah. you play well. Yeah, well, you can't call Wink Wink until you're a ball. But we got somebody who balled up here, so we'll call him Wink. And we'll call him that for this reason. The oh. Colts, according to Adam Schefter, requested permission to interview Wink That's Martindale for their head coaching job yep. per a source. We'll keep an eye on this either way, but it'd be great to see this guy get a head coaching job. I think yeah. it's so much. I'd see him in a suit.
Oh, man. You can eat werewolves. Can imagine? Boy, coming up, it's Trevor Lawrence and the Jags bounce back, completing the third largest comeback in playoff history. Why Mina's giving Doug Peterson his flowers. Did you see him celebrate at the Waffle House? We got some oh, pirates here. We'll be right back with more from Bucks Beach. I see you, player. So much you made us. Going through a major. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tonight, during the NFL Super Wild Card game, tune in for the premiere of the exclusive new trailer for The Mandalorian Season 3, streaming March 1st, only on Disney+. Plus. We get back to some of the Saturday action from Super Wild Card Weekend. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars visiting the Chargers in the Wild Card round. Under seven minutes to play in the first half. The Jags trailing 24 to nothing, third and 10 from midfield. And Lawrence's throw over the middle picked off by Asante Samuel Jr. He had four first half interceptions. Jags would trail 27 to seven at the halftime. Did not blink. 50 seconds left in the third quarter. Jags down 30 to 14. Lawrence connects with Zay Jones, Dan. A little bit of a covered three beater. They get the safety backside to sit. Zay Jones replaces it. Great throw. Slowly cutting the lead, 30 to 20, under six oh, minutes to go. Lawrence finding Christian Kirk on the right side of the end zone. And after a Chargers penalty, Jaguars would go for two with better field position. Two-point conversion attempt. Lawrence says, I'll take it in myself for two. Doug Peterson encouraging it. More on that in just a bit. The Jags now down uh -huh. only 30 what to play. 28. What a play. Travis Etienne takes it to the outside, gets the first down and much more. I love that play call. Reminded me of what Penn State ran a little bit this year in college football, those three people in the backfield. Riley Patterson can win it, and that's exactly what he does. The 36-yard field goal through the uprights. Jags win 31-30. to Trevor Lawrence, what a game. He had the four touchdowns later. He had the four interceptions earlier, and he bounced back in a big way. Within the Jaguars' first seven drives of the game, he had those four interceptions. Over the final five drives of the game, Lawrence completed nearly 80% of his passes for 253 yards, four tutties, leading the Jaguars to points on every one of those drives as they pulled off the third largest comeback in NFL postseason history. You know, what do you think changed for Lawrence in that second half? I feel like the theme of today could be coaching matters, especially going from talking about the Giants yes. to this game because Doug Peterson's my number two for coach of the year. Um, so in the first half, it was kind of what we thought might happen with the Chargers defense using so much disguise, compressing things, that coverage was so sticky. And some of the interceptions weren't, you know, not all of them were on Trevor, but he didn't play a good half. So you come out in the second half, and they go tempo yep. to eliminate the disguise factor. Smart. Peterson starts dialing up easy completions to the outside, make those Chargers DBs who are so good at coverage tackle in space, yep. and then run ETN off tackle. And then as this goes on, he starts building his confidence. Mm. The targets get a little bit deeper on the outside. I thought it was a masterful effort by a head coach to calm his young quarterback and then come out with a game plan to basically get him back into it. And, and then in the situational football moments, you know, we often talk about man coverage and beating it and only correlate it to the pass game. 
I thought Doug was great in some very specific areas of attacking man coverage to utilize the run game. Early on, they, they hop the back, and they're going to pull the backside tackle here. It's man-to-man. -man. Watch the right side of your screen. You jab step with the back to hold that backside linebacker. The receiver comes outside in, cracks the safety. Corner has to follow, and now ETN gets out on the edge. Now we go to that fourth and one, right? Late in the game, Doug Peterson calls timeout. Very similar situation. Zay Jones, it's man coverage. You go block the safety. Corny has, corner has to follow you very quickly, and then he's the guy that it's expected to, quote, unquote, replace the edge. That's Asante Samuel. That's a guy that they know not only schematically that they can go after in the run game, but also personnel-wise. And it was brilliant by Doug knowing in that situation, I don't have to beat man throwing the ball. I could beat man by designing a great run game. Hey, you know, for every team that makes a huge <sighs> comeback, yeah, Marcus loves the run game. Huge comeback means that some team that was supposed to win and had a huge lead didn't win. In this case, that's the Chargers. So let's get Adam Schefter back in here because there has been conversation around Brandon Staley, the head coach, and his job security. Where do we stand there, Adam? Well, Laura, the early indications right now are that Brandon Staley is going to be safe. Now, let's see how these meetings shake out over the course of the day. Nothing's ever final. Everything's always fluid in this particular league. I think there'll be changes that come to that staff in Los Angeles with the Chargers, and I think those changes probably going to involve assistant coaches on the offensive side of the football. You can't lose a game like that in which Austin Eckler doesn't have a single rushing yard in the second half that you go in with a 20-point lead where you run the football from running backs seven times, throw the football 22 times, and not think that there's not going to be some changes to the offensive staff. I, right now, don't suspect that it's going to involve Brandon Staley. I think the Chargers organization wants to see him continue to grow, learn, improve, mature as a head coach, and it sounds like that is the lean. But they're having conversations today. We'll see how that works out, but I do expect that there will be some changes at least on the offensive side. Yeah, you know, Adam brought up just some of the context of the game there, Marcus, and I think that's probably why you're <laughs> slow slouching in your chair what do you think about Staley and his job coaching specifically in this game but even before that too there, there were some things that happened Mike Williams sticks out certainly I think it should be in question all right yeah. I'm fine with Brandon Staley continuing to be the head coach of the Chargers it's not one of those things I'm gonna go on the hill and fight a battle for but I also think you got a question about what you have on this team mm. right like you guys this goes beyond Think of the commitments that they made to compete in this division this year, right? And I know injuries was a big part of that. And if you give him credit for holding it together, he deservedly so. But this offensive uh, possession right here is why I'm pissed off, right? This is in the red zone in the first quarter. You come out and throw three straight passes yep. with Justin Herbert. You get nothing out of this. He's standing in the middle of the pocket. The Jacksonville Jaguars are playing comfortable defense. Oh, coincidentally, you get in the red zone again and you run the football. You hand it off to your back. Three straight times you get a rock to Austin Eckler, and here's another hit where you get a first down on this carry, and then the next one is a touchdown. So I'm going to ask y'all this, because y'all get mad at me and fight me about ah, the right yeah, game, yeah. All right? And I'm going to ask you this. As a defensive guy, because... The great thing about when we together, we look at it through a different prism, right? Yeah. I know for a fact it's harder to defend football teams when they make a commitment to making sure you pay attention to the run game. Yeah. And also in the red zone, we want you to throw the football. That's what we want to do. Now, you got cyborgs like the Julio Jones or the Calvin Johnsons where you just say go win. Right. But when you look at the Los Angeles Chargers and hear what Adam Schefter just said, as a head coach, this is why I can't give Staley a pass. Hey, Joe Lombardi. I need you to run the football. Mm. 
We're going to leave it there and answer it in the commercial break because we got to go. So anyway, we'll find out what that is. Okay, coming up next, Mike McDaniel's time management. Is it to blame for the Dolphins' season coming to an end? Well, Marcus is going to tell us why he's hot over these inexcusable mistakes. That's next. And as we go to break, want to make sure you know about the latest E60 project, the perfect machine, which chronicles the unbeaten Miami Dolphins run that culminated in a Super Bowl title back in 1973. A feat still unmatched 50 years later. Here's a preview. Came close. Came about that close. But you know what? And being the only undefeated team ever, that right there is the universe. Perfectville still population one. The Miami Dolphins, they will remain football's greatest perfect team of all time. When you have an opportunity to do something that nobody else has ever done, you, you want to make sure you seize that opportunity. And we did. They did something that was so special. I don't want to see that ever happen again. Immortality is great. Why would you want to share immortality? Would a team match the 72 Dolphins that go undefeated? The ghost start to come up from 50 years ago. And the Miami Dolphins says, I don't think so. History remains untouched. What's the second largest canyon in the country? Nobody cares. There is no besting of the Grand Canyon. People make the Hall of Fame. There's all pros. You win Super Bowls. There's only been one team that's been perfect. There's a phenomenon in the National Football League this year. You see this, Don Perignon? I'm offering this to the next team that goes unbeat. But all over the land on this Sunday night, the champagne courts have been popping. Is it the champagne on ice somewhere? So come get this champagne. All you got to do is beat everybody. <laughs> Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Lift every voice and sing. Being a black man growing up, you stand on the shoulders of many people, and he was one of them. But for him to stand up and be so disruptive with his words to get assassinated, you know, it, it, it's you know, he sacrificed his life to do things the right way and you know you admire that about the man
On this MLK Day, we remember the great Martin Luther King Jr. You see the campus of University of South Florida with their memorial to Martin Luther King, and we honor him today as we get ready for Bucks Cowboys tonight in the finale of what's already been a dynamic super wild card weekend. For more on tonight's game, we check back in at the Domino's pregame headquarters, and look who's here. It's Lisa Salters. Hey, Lisa. So glad to have too. you here. We're all here. We're Yay. all here. <laughs> I got to get out there so I can uh, see you guys in person. Come over here hugs. and give us a hug, Lisa. Absolutely. Okay, we'll, we'll uh, make sure that ends You're up on TV, too. You're not too far, though, are you? We're not. You're right there. Okay. I, I, I can practically see it. Okay. Hey, Lisa, think about this, okay? Tom Brady has essentially played three full seasons of just playoff games. Yeah. Tonight's going to be his 48 postseason start and he's won more playoff games 35 than any other NFL player has ever even played in but we almost saw the end after last season his brief retirement so how much of a conversation is there at one buck place around Brady's future with this team yeah Laura well whether or not this will be Tom Brady's last playoff run Bucks players say they don't talk about it. Julio Jones said, we are here right now. That's all that matters. And Chris Godwin said, because of who Tom Brady is, the career that he's had, he understands the speculation about what's next for TB12. But he said, honestly, we do not ever address it, especially Tom, because he's always so hyper-focused on the moment. Now, Tom Brady told us this weekend he wants to get through this season take some time, decompress, get some clarity before he makes any decisions about his future. But when talking about this game, he was very clear. He likes their chances because for the first time since really, since really the beginning of this season, the Bucks' offense is healthy, including Pro Bowl center Ryan Jensen just activated off IR this morning and expected to play some tonight. We knew that Julio Jones and Leonard Fournette have battled injuries, and both of them say that they are now 100%. Mike Evans, he struggled to make it to game days during certain parts of the season, which is why he and Brady seemed a little off at times. But Evans finally looked like himself week 17 when he exploded for 207 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Tom Brady said, I feel good about us taking the field healthy. Now let's go see what we can do. Yeah, Lisa, it does feel like they're getting healthy, maybe just in the nick of time, exactly what Tom Brady would want to see. Thanks to Lisa Salters. We'll see you on the game tonight. I'm Can't coming wait. to see you right Come now. Come over here and just visit with us for a little bit, okay? We're, but problem is we won't let her leave. Let's get to the Cowboys side of this, the Cowboys offense and Dak Prescott. In a loss to the Commanders last Sunday, Dak threw an interception for the seventh straight game. That's the longest streak by any QB this season. No QB threw more interceptions than Prescott during the regular season. That's despite the fact that he only played in 12 games. Of Prescott's 15 interceptions, 11 of them came against zone coverage. Well, tonight, he faces a Bucks defense that plays zone coverage at the sixth highest rate in the NFL. We heard some Cowboys fans cheering for a little bit there, and then they're like, oh, this is actually not a good Dak thing. Don't worry. There's better stuff coming in just a little bit on the Cowboys and on Dak Prescott. Look at my man. But Dan. That chain. <laughs> why, Dan's already bought some shirts from some fans. You might go get the chain. Why has Dak struggled so much with interceptions? Searching. It's yeah. searching to go to try to find a play that's not there. And I'd say two things tonight. Don't go searching. Just, just run the play. You're a good enough player. And the second thing is no fear. Let's go be aggressive. Not reckless, but go be aggressive. Last week versus Washington, a perfect example. They take slant flat and essentially run sluggo rail. It's man coverage. You get the corner to squat, but you decide to throw the backside curl route. You could throw that ball to CD down the field or the tight end on the rail route, but almost like the 
I don't want to do anything bad type of mm. feeling overcomes you. And there's that world he's got to live in, be aggressive, not, not reckless, not careless with the football, but also don't try to force things down the field that are not there. You got to, that's a great point. And these guys hear and see, you know, what everybody says, even throughout the league about the interceptions and you, like the first thing you think is I need to reel it in. I need to. That's the worst thing. It's the worst thing. You need to be, nobody's going to tell Steph Curry not to shoot if he missed 17 three-pointers. They're going to tell him shoot 18, okay? (laughs) Here's the thing for me too, though, and I've said it all season long and you guys know this. I said this season for the Dallas Cowboys comes down to Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott. Right. Right. You look at this team and everybody talked about the roster and all of that. This is the catalyst for what they have the ability to do in this playoffs. You got to get Dak on the move too, man. Like we we talk about these interceptions. All of them are standing in the center of the pocket. Let him go be a playmaker. And Dak has to understand as well that I need to go be a playmaker with my legs when those things aren't there. Look at this bootleg, Dan. This was after the interception against Tampa. You come back, you get him on the outside, he can see things are clearer for him, and obviously these crossers with uh, CeeDee Lamb and how he's worked the middle of the field, those over routes that he runs. I don't believe that Dak Prescott has been playing and giving defenses things to think about. And I put that on Kellen Moore, more than I put it on Dak Prescott. Because after you watch the turnovers over and over again, you got to go back to the table and say, okay, what can we do different to get him in the rhythm, right? It's just like basketball. Hey, man, shoot some 15-footers before you get out there to the three-point line. They got to move him in this game. Well, you know what might help is if the run game was a little bit better, right? Mina, why has that struggled so much for Dallas during this season? This has been as big of a problem for the Cowboys as the interceptions, and I would contend they're probably related because Dak feels like he has to throw the team back into contention. Um, For me, what jumps out is they're not getting any push between the tackles. First 10 weeks of the season, Dallas ranked fourth in the NFL, yards per carry between the tackles, 4.9. Second half of the season, 28th. 3.6 yards per carry. That is a massive difference in the run game. I think a lot of it, Marcus, is because of all the change on the offensive line. It's kind of been musical chairs. It continues to be. But if they can't get that right, Dak's going to continue to press. I think one of those things, too, with their run game is they got to figure out, are they do they want to be a dominant zone team? Yeah. Or do they want to be a dominant gap team? Where they, I always thought that the Cowboys were the best when they pull people. pull people. I think their pin pull is the best. But to your point, they lose Terrence Steele. Is the yeah. right tackle who's replacing him comfortable enough to do those things? Do they have the tight ends? in the blocking game to do it as well. No doubt the pressure is squarely on these Cowboys in a lot of ways tonight. Dak Prescott one in three in his playoff career. All four of those games were decided by one score, eight points or less. All right, let's get back to Sunday and Super Wild Card Weekend. This was an interesting one. The Bills hosting the Dolphins in an AFC Wild Card matchup. We're going to pick it up in the second half. The Bills up only by three points, 20 to 17. Josh Allen dropping back to pass, but Zach Skyler, Skyler, excuse me, had other plans recovering in the end zone. Get it, big fella. You Get love it, it, big fella. Marcus thought he was going to have a good game. Turns out he did. Well, Dolphins he did. take the lead. That's 24 to 20. Go figure. Later in the third, first and goal okay. for the Bills. Allen to Cole Beasley diving into the end zone. The Bills reclaim the lead. We go to the next Bills possession, and Josh Allen 
This might have been, Dan, you think this was his best throw of the game? Oh, this is ridiculous. He stares to the right to try to get the one-on-one -on -one matchup, sees the backside safety, turn his hips and drift in, and then throws a ball beautifully over the corner right to the back pylon. So now the Bills extending their lead, 34-24, to ahead to the fourth quarter Dolphins' first <sighs> goal. Jeff Wilson diving in for the score, and the Dolphins cutting the deficit to three. They just would not go away in this one. A few possessions later for Miami. Pay attention to the play clock. This is where it starts to get a little oh, wonky for him, Dan. Hey, you get you have to pop that time out it's third and ten thinking okay we got to make sure we try to keep this somewhat manageable can't get into third and 15 they use their final timeout yeah so now no timeouts remaining later in the possession third and two and the handoff there but incredibly close to the first down for ahmed but then there's some confusion and it was a rule just short you're seeing on fourth and one watch the play clock again dolphins flag for delay a game this is what just can't happen in these but, moments as it makes it fourth and six. It's a tough situation for Mike McDaniel to be in that's on the road with a third string quarterback. Right, it's a good point. Skylar Thompson in there and the Bills survive. Here's more on the play clock situation, the management for Mike McDaniel. Whether it was officials or coaching, um, you know, there was some communication that we'd gotten the first down. So then we were um, deploying a, a group of players for the first and ten call, and then it was it was articulated uh, that no, it was fourth down. So that miscommunication that's that's all the stuff that you that you do in in this business is you um, you never stop finding the things that you can improve on, um, and and it's a it was a piece of the reason uh, you know why we we're unable to come out with a victory, but it, it definitely wasn't the only reason. Mike, can we just get clarity because it, it might be a thing? Did, did the refs tell you it was first down, or did your own guys upstairs? I can't. I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was the refs. I think it was from the headset, to be honest. Okay. It didn't really matter to me because I'm not like pointing fingers, but I'm pretty sure I don't think I saw a sign. Okay, so it, that's interesting from McDaniel. Yeah. As we sift through all this, though, I mean, Dan, one of the things that kind of stuck out to us, you didn't see this happening with the Dolphins with Tua Tunga Vailoa right. or Teddy Bridgewater. So it made us wonder, how complicated is the <laughs> play-calling verbiage for this Dolphins offense? Yeah, so listen, I brought actually a call sheet. I don't know what year this is from. This is from Houston with, like, with Gary Kubiak, which is from this offense. So just so everybody at home has a little bit of a glimpse and understanding of how wordy these offenses are, these Ooh. West Coast systems that – have a lot of different tags when it comes to formations and personnel. So I think this is a good learning opportunity for everybody. So this is how it works. When Ahmed goes to the ground right there, the clock starts to wind, the 40-second play clock. Automatically, Mike McDaniel's like, all right, 11 personnel, because he thinks it's first down, right? 11 personnel, 11 personnel. Then he gets word, hey, coach, down. It's fourth and one, fourth and one. Oh, gosh, so I had to go from a first down play call to a fourth down play call. Check that. Give me 22. Per That's 10 seconds right there. And then 22 personnel, hey, guys, it's fourth and one, so you got to change your personnel. There's another four or five seconds. And then he's got to give a play call like, hey, west, right, zoom, 18, Zorro, can it with, get in the gun, halfback right, outside, scat right, you and Zebra basic return, go double count. Remember, if the middle linebacker run through, you could take the check down. That's 15 Whoa. seconds right there. So <laughs> doing in that in that moment with Tua Tunga-Vailoa would be incredibly difficult. Yeah. Doing it with a third-string quarterback and having to change all that stuff, everyone's killing Mike McDaniel. You have 40 seconds to make all those different decisions and communications. That is an incredibly difficult situation. I think it's a bad break for the coach 
being in that moment with a third-string quarterback. Hey, yeah, what a time. Get the damn play call in, man. Oh, my Listen, gosh, this is This Whoa. is, this is, and I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm being. There's a lot of but, but, I, but I understand man. when you're going into that environment, and too, you in an environment as well. Like you guys, th this is when crowd noise and fans and discombobulation comes to play. Not only with a third-string quarterback, but D, it's four of them, bro, in one game. Yeah. And and then too, as a defensive guy, and I look I, again, dude, we didn't scored on defense. <laughs> We've turned the football over. And the opportunities where we have the ball in our hands, we can't get a play call in. Now, I understand the difficulty of it, but when, when I'm in the locker room, when the whole world gave us no shot against the Buffalo Bills, and we put in work like that defensively, you can't tell us right now that you couldn't get the play call in. That just doesn't suffice for so, what we were able to do on the defensive side. I have two thoughts, one of which was, I asked our guy Ryan Bissell, who does stats for us, if this was an issue at all during the regular season, and the Dolphins did kill the third most clock of any team in the yeah. NFL. So this this is an ongoing part, I think, of, as he said, Mike McDaniel's growth as a head coach, streamlining that operation next year. But I also think it shouldn't detract from the fact that they went into Buffalo and almost Played great. beat them. He was yeah. phenomenal. With a seventh round. Yeah. I mean, they left yards on the field with drops. drops. Guys yeah. were wide open. I thought him, I thought he called the hell of a game. I thought Josh Boyer, the defense coordinator, made some good adjustments as it went on. So it's, it's a rough way for the season to end, but I don't want it to completely overshadow what that team accomplished in this particular And they did their thing when they went to Buffalo early. Yeah, yeah the they did. Season. It would have made a difference if Tua was there. Of the eight delay of game penalties this season, only two of them happened with Tua Tungavailoa on the field. We got more That's coming your way step. here, I know. On NFL Live, live from Tampa Bay, coming up. This offseason will be Come on, Lamar! To Lamar and the Ravens. Why oh, Dan boy. feels this could be bad for all parties. Oh, That's next and they have opened up the parking lots out here the fans are coming in there's a bills fan in the crowd where's the bills fan he's right there with there he is hands up, surrounded by many cowboys and bucks fans we got the 49ers we'll be right back i got a tape for the now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The Ravens, a one-point lead. There's never any panic. It's going to be tough. It's going to be ugly. It's playoff football. I'm always ready. Touchdown for Joe Burrow, and the Bengals have the lead. Hunter sticks the ball out. The Bengals have the ball. Touchdown! Eight seconds to go. The Bengals up by seven. Huntley back to throw. Batted down. Incomplete. Yeah. The clock hits All zero. Right. And the Bengals are heading to Buffalo.
Glad to have you on NFL Live. We're coming your way right outside Raymond James Stadium as we get ready for Bucks Cowboys here on ESPN and ABC. But the Ravens now done with their season as they were not able to get it done against the Bengals. The Bengals end up winning this game. And you can see the last couple seasons from Lamar Jackson. Let's bring Adam Schefter back in here for a little bit more because now all the attention with their season done goes to Lamar's contract negotiations. Adam, where are we with this and what do we know? Well, Laura, his contract's up after this season. I think the Baltimore Ravens are expected to put the franchise tag on him. And then the question becomes, do they and are they able to sign him to a long-term extension? Or do they look to see if there's a team that's willing to try to sign him to an offer sheet and then whether or not they're open to a trade? But Lamar's future is in question after an offseason here in which they essentially did not have him play the last five games of the season, the last six games, a lot of questions. He says he had a sprained PCL, so there's a whole host of issues here that both sides will take into the offseason, but it will become one of the biggest offseason quarterback question marks whether Lamar stays or goes in Baltimore and how the Ravens handle it. Yeah, and Adam, as you saw there off the top, there's no question how valuable Lamar Jackson is. The Ravens 3-8 and eight over the last two seasons when Jackson is out of the lineup. They've averaged oh. over seven fewer points per game in the <laughs> contest. That's something that Dobbins noticed, right? The Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins weighed in on Lamar not being out there last night saying, quote, if we had Lamar, we would have won. Too. Now, listen, uh, yeah. some of that was because he was asked about it. He didn't just offer up that information. Sure, but we sure. heard players before the game and now after the game talking about Lamar not being out there. Plus, he wasn't even at the game last night in Cincinnati. That, that's been a big topic. You make a lot out of that, Dan? You I don't. Deal? Uh, yeah. So two things. First of all, I think it's important to put into context Lamar not being there. That was a road game. Lamar has not gone to any road game since being on the injured mm. reserved and yep. not being a part of the team when it comes to active roster, okay? So we, we got to stop making a big deal out of that and trying to create a narrative around Lamar. Right. That's, not, that's not a new, that's out there, okay? Yep. I think the second thing that is, I feel like a person who is in the locker room uncomfortable is you start the week and Sammy Watkins makes a comment, I just wish he would find a way to hobble out there, okay? And then J.K. Dobbins last night says, man, if we had Lamar, we win, okay? And then Marlon Humphrey, who's one of their leaders, says, I hope he's here for a long time. I just feel like the conversation divided, right? Like it feels we got different teammates on different sides of what this conversation is right now and certainly how I feel it's going to be in the offseason, man. Listen, man, I, I, I'm going to listen to J.K. Dobbins and I'm going to listen to Marlon Humphrey, right? They've been around him and they know the impact of Lamar Jackson, Marlon Humphrey more than anything. I understand what Sammy Watkins is saying, right? Early in the week, you're talking about game planning, how effective Lamar could be. Don't hobble out there. That's the oh, dumbest yeah. thing I've ever heard in life is to go out there and just tape it up. It's so stupid because, one, we're in a situation where your quarterback literally is dictating how you play football, right. as we saw from Tyler Huntley when he used his legs. And the other thing is this. Yo, the elephant in the room is you ain't paid me no money to go play no on a sprained MCL right. or a PCL or whatever I have going on. So those, those comments, I believe, from Dobbins, and Marlon Humphrey were directed towards the Ravens brass and the people in the front office. As you should know how important he is. Yeah. Forget, forget the record we just put up. Forget what we just saw with, with the wins and the losses when Lamar Jackson don't play. Use your damn eyes <laughs> when he's on the field and he's playing for this football team of how effective they... And yeah. they were right. Yeah. The way they played last night, if Lamar Jackson was the quarterback, they probably would have won the game. Yeah. 
I just don't see any way the Ravens move on from Lamar Jackson and don't take serious steps back as a football team. I mean, let's consider the options. First of all, any of the top free agents, trade candidates like Derek Carr, who has jurisdiction over where he goes, they don't want to go to this team. Right. Just be honest. This offense is not quarterback friendly. Uh, and then beyond that, let's say they're able to get that godfather deal for a pick at the top of the draft, and then you know they're able to trade that and draft a rookie. You draft a guy praying he ends up anywhere That's close to Lamar Jackson. And then on top of that, the timeline is all wrong. You guys watch that defense? This team should be making a deep playoff run. Yeah. So if they were to move on to a rookie, they would be on the entirely wrong timeline. Yeah. It just doesn't add up to me beyond the message that it would send to the locker room to not reward a guy who has been so good for been, your organization. It just has been gross negligence. Yeah. It's by, been you're gross saying negligence by, the Ravens. by this franchise, man. Because like, you think they should have just got the deal done and last paid night we, money. And last night we watched this money. offense yep. split a tight end out to play X receiver. Mark Andrews, right. Because you because <laughs> Bateman wasn't available. Are you kidding me? Yeah. We watched them split a tight end out to play X receiver. Right. And we watched the Cincinnati Bengals put three guys Bro. on the field that may be ones when the contracts come up and they got to go to another team. So they should have paid him but also gotten him a receiver. Yes! Yeah. I, I think two things. Your voice just went so Watch this weekend, Baltimore. Okay, you guys are a great organization. The final four in your conference, Trevor Lawrence, number one pick. Joe Burrow, number one pick. Patrick Mahomes, reigning MVP, will be the MVP. And then Josh Allen. Josh Allen. If yep. you don't have a dude at that position for the next... What are we These guys about? aren't going anywhere now. Hey. They're here for 10 years. You're right. You better have a dude at quarterback. And then the, the receiver, it cannot be a draft pick. They have to go get a bona fide star NFL wideout. This is the final season on Lamar Jackson's rookie contract. The Ravens have the option to use the franchise tag on him, too, so we'll keep an eye on that in this offseason. Still to come on NFL Live from Tampa, what edge do Brady and the Bucks have over the Cowboys tonight? Here who Nina has being the difference maker. You're watching NFL Live presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's gorgeous out here by Tampa Bay. We're going to head over to those docks a little bit later, too. Hey. we got to watch the game first. Hey. Look at the cute dog. We'll be right back. I love Tampa. It is Tampa is going. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Don't miss Monday Night Countdown after us here tonight at 6 p.m. on ESPN and also streaming live on the ESPN app. Susie and the guys are going to take over this set right here and get you ready right up until kickoff of Bucks and Cowboys. And new on NFL Live, the Manning cast featuring Eli and Peyton Manning. This evening, the guest list is fascinating, guys. I love this one. Dion, number one. Dan Campbell, number two. That's nice. going to be a lot of fun. Teddy Bruski, the great Bruski, joins the show. This one, of course, on ESPN2. And oh, I'm watching Dan Campbell. Yeah, you right? are. You got to turn into Dan. My former Okay, teammate. we got some parrots out here. Uh, they're getting ready to go. Oh, hold on. I, heard, I heard them trying to repeat Dan, but they couldn't really Look get it out. Probably want a cracker. <laughs> That was, that was You're going to make that one fly night. away. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get out of here. You said I'd become 
doing that at night? Hey, Adam, don't worry. I'm not sending those parents over to you. Send them over, Laura. Send them over. Well, imagine them trying to, like, repeat all the news that you put out. There is a lot of news, actually, ahead of this game. Let's start with Ryan Jensen and his return, Adam. Well, Laura, he hurt his knee on the second day of training camp, was placed on injury reserve, and today the Buccaneers activated their Pro Bowl center, and he is expected to make his season debut tonight in the wild card game against the Dallas Cowboys, a big boost to the Buccaneers' offensive line as they take on Dallas. And the Dallas defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, is scheduled to interview for the Denver Broncos' head coaching job on Friday. And obviously, he's drawn interest. He talked with Denver last year. The Broncos liked him last year. They still like him this year. The Broncos also will meet tomorrow morning with Sean Payton before they meet with Raheem Mars. And one other note, moments ago, the Arizona Cardinals hired the Tennessee Titans director of player personnel, Monty Ossenfort as their general manager. So Arizona has filled the position that was vacated after Steve Kime stepped down. The Cardinals' new GM is Monty Ossenfort. That's interesting. We'll continue to see all of that news coming in. And, of course, you can see Adam at 6 on Monday Night Countdown right here on ESPN. Tonight's game is a rematch from Week 1 when the Bucks' defense held the Cowboys to just three points. The second fewest points that the Cowboys have scored in any game started by Dak Prescott. Prior to leaving the game in the fourth quarter due to a thumb injury, Dak completed only 48% of his passes, average fewer than five yards per attempt. So, Mina, if you're that Bucks defense, what's one thing you want to take away from Dallas tonight? Certainly, different time of the year, different team even than it was at that point. It all starts with CeeDee Lamb, who they had success against the first time these teams played, but that was a very different Dallas team. Michael Gallup wasn't in the mix to uh, free up Lamb a little. And since then, the Bucks have struggled to cover slot receivers, third worst in the NFL in EPA per play. So I'll be curious to see a couple of things. Antoine Whitfield Jr. has been playing in the slot for them I wonder if they might move him to safety in their sub packages mm. and then play more too high. Because right. if they play as Who much cover inside? three, uh, Sean Murphy Button, you okay. my pick. Okay. If they play as much cover three as they normally do, CeeDee Lamb will kill them with crossers. So I would actually put two safeties on the field and play cover two. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see what the plan is from Tampa as far as using Levante David and Devin White in some of that A-gap pressure. Both of them are dominant blitzers from the linebacker position. And if your answer, if you don't have any answers for that, if you're Kellen Moore, this is going to give you a problem. This offensive line has been much maligned now. We've talked about a lot of things with Dak Prescott and the skill position players, but in pass, in, in pass protection, they have struggled. So do you get Tony Pollard and find opportunities for screens? Do you get him on the edge? Mm. Do you line him up in the slot sometimes to remove a linebacker out of the box or let them determine if we're going to be a nickel and we'll play him with a safety or a nickel back? So I'm, I'm very interested to see the chess match, <laughs> how they use Tony Pollard to kind of negate what Devin White and Levante David. I oh, see man. you. I see you. Uh, negate them from the rush. Like but also, you. like, it, it, it comes a time for Kellen Moore where you got to start kind of dictating what you want the defense to do. I feel like they've been very conservative and just trying to kind of just ease their way, like you said about Daybo. I'm going like to make you defend right now. Yeah. Uh, well, Man just, is beaming ear to ear. Well, you know, we like, learn from each other. Happen. We learn from yeah. yeah. oh, It's so cute. Yeah, we learn So I think one of the things that happens when teams play against the Buccaneers defense and they think, well, they're so fast, they get scared to spread them out. And if I was Kellen tonight, I would spread this yes. defense out 
and get the ball to the perimeter in multiple ways as quickly as possible. It's basically like an extension of the run game. Don't give me bunch. Widen that bunch to the top of the screen. Run a little bit of a zone reader RPO. Kick that ball outside. I'm not looking for 15, 20 yards, but give me six, seven, eight, and make this defense go sideline to sideline and display that speed. The widened bunch. I can even set more formation into the boundary and create those design swing screens where we've seen this out of San Francisco. We've seen it out of Seattle. I get lead blockers out in front, and all those guys, I want the, the best player on this defense is Vita Vea. How do I take the best player out? Make him go sideline. Side. I'm not scared of Tampa's speed. I respect it, but I want to see it over four quarters. Both teams should do that, spread to run in this game. I love that, absolutely. Going, yeah, and that's why, that's the, kind of the, the, the Pollard touches yeah. that you're talking about. You, CD, the touches you you're talking about, about. You think about last year, too, when, when McVay, when they came down for the playoff game. The aggression for Tampa was used against them. Absolutely. That's why the deep ball was effective with Cooper Cup. How do you get them to play that way? Yeah. That's the well, question Kellen Moore going to have to answer. It is interesting. This season, the Bucks defense has held opposing QBs to the third lowest QBR in the NFL when blitzing. Yep. But sometimes you do want them to do that if you're the opposing offense. You got to scare them out of it. There's some cat and mouse in tonight's game when it comes to the strategy. Coming up next on NFL Live, Brock Purdy looks like a veteran. Helps his team advance. This wild card weekend, Dan will show us just how special his performance was. More coming your way here. NFL Live taking over Bucks Beach as we get you ready for Bucks and Cowboys in just a few hours. It's coming. Here on I told you it was coming. ABC. ESPN2 and ESPN Plus. See you in a minute. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. on NFL Live from Tampa Bay. We're going to get back to some of the action from Super Wild Card Weekend. Giants and Vikings. Everyone going on the Daniel Jones apology tour. And Dan Orlovsky, it's because of some of the things he did in this I game. think I'm the president of it. Really good design on third and two. Lead blocker, you get your athletic quarterback on the edge. First drive of the second half. Giants, second and seven for the Vikings, nine. Faking the handoff and Bellinger in for the nine-yard score. The Giants lead 24 to 14. So let's see what the Vikings can do to strike back. Second and goal, and Irv. Cousins connects with Irv Smith Jr. That's a three-yard touchdown. It's a 24 to 21 game. Marcus picked the Giants, by the way. I sure did. And his did. nose. Early fourth quarter. Sure no, did. he didn't. Goodness gracious. Same but score. I... Vikings go for it on fourth and one from the Giants huh? 16. What'd you oh. see here, Dan? Oh. Yeah, just, I mean, in those moments, you're so tense. You're trying to jump if you're Darisaw, the left tackle. He just a blink too early. So the Vikings settle for the field goal, and we're tied. This is at a 24. big time ball, bro. Let's go. Yo, moving to your left, trying to find Hodgins. Not only is the ball perfect, the feet on the sidelines by the 
Undrafted players just spectacular. Mina, Mina called it. A later in the drive with under eight to play. First and goal from the second. Saquon Barkley barreling through the end zone for the touchdown. Saquon back. That was his second rushing touchdown of the game. The Giants lead 31 to 24. Vikings have a chance to answer with oh, under no. two minutes to play, but Cousins outside to TJ Hawkinson. He stopped well short of the first down marker. Not able to get it done. The Giants hold on to win a huge win, 31 to 24. So. Justin Jefferson torched the Giants in their regular season matchup, but was pretty quiet on Sunday. Head coach Kevin O'Connell was asked about it after the game. Listen to this. Yeah, they didn't bring as much pressure tonight. It was more so uh, a story of coverage, double teams. I think, uh, you know, when you look at, you know, his stats, I don't think it's a coincidence. TJ, you know, having a big day. Adam Thielen with three big catches for 50 yards. KJ had some opportunities in addition to the two for 20. You know, ended up with about 50, I think 56, 58 snaps. So you would love to have the ball a little bit more to, to be able to run it and marry the run in the pass. Marcus, I mean, what went wrong? It's just a direct correlation to what we've been watching all season long. One, this team has been living on a lifeline yeah. at the end of games in the fourth quarter, and most likely it's going to be Justin Jefferson making that play. And then, two, like I talked about Dalvin Cook previous to this game, not only in the run game, but using him on the outsides. The attempts were there, but they didn't have the success that they looked for. He mentioned Hawkinson, he mentioned Osborne, but Justin Jefferson has been the catalyst, and you can make an argument, could have been in the MVP running for this season based on his impact with the Minnesota Vikings. I gotta say, I was looking forward to potentially seeing Justin Herbert in the playoffs. That's not gonna happen as the Chargers were not able to get it done. Let's listen to Herbert first, talking about losing and not being able to continue so on. Sad. Obviously a, a tough, tough go for us. Um, you know, as an offense, we need to do more in the second half. And um, you know, that falls on us offensively. And as a quarterback, I need to, to perform better. And uh, you got to be able to put up more than three points in the second half. And so uh, I feel horrible for the defense for, um, you know, the incredible effort they put out there today. But uh, got to be better uh, as a team. You know what happened to the Chargers offense? Yeah, Saturday. they couldn't stay on the field for a litany of reasons. Marcus complained about them not running the ball, but they also couldn't run the ball, averaging less than three yards per carry with their back. Some of that is, again, due to the injuries on the offensive line with a problem all season. You don't have Mike Williams because he played in week 18, lose DeAndre Carter, suddenly touches are going to Michael Bandy. And so some of it is not their fault necessarily, but also this is an offense that was entirely too conservative all season long. Justin Herbert should be nowhere near the bottom of the NFL and average depth of target. So that's something to consider as they move forward, both from a play calling and a personnel perspective. Adam said he expects some changes on that staff. We'll keep an eye on it. Now to San Francisco, where Brock Purdy had quite the playoff debut, throwing for over 300 yards and three touchdowns while also scoring on a rushing touchdown. Purdy became the third player in NFL history to have at least 300 passing yards and four total touchdowns in a playoff debut. He joins Matthew Stafford and Kurt Warner in that category. Dan, what would you like about Purdy on Saturday? thing that Kyle Shanahan asks out of his quarterback, make the right choice. What's our play call? Where's the opportunity? Where's the problem? Defense, where is the problem that they present to you? And where's the opportunity? Brock Purdy's processing and making that right choice every single snap is what has allowed him to play at a consistent basis for Kyle Shanahan. The decision making, this is exactly what it looks like. Brock Purdy's going to drop back to passing. He's going to have multiple options of where to throw the football. Post, rail route, and a check down to the back. Well, it's not there. They get the post is in underneath. The rail, they play over the top. Now, McCaffrey's really number three, but they inside out him. Great. Get to number four, which is the whip return. But that's covered as well. Brock Purdy, the, the fifth option, the right choice, 
is to use your legs. This is fantastic by him understanding that. Guys, he makes five decisions there in less than two and a half seconds. Now, this is a drop back, essentially three level throw. The eyes by Brock Purdy, if you imagine a, a die right there, two points and then the middle, his beautiful decision making. I want you guys to see it from the back end. He's gonna drop back, stare to your left, bottom of the screen, to our left, excuse me, his right. If those backers drop, he's kicking the ball to Kittle. If they fly up, great. Last second, his eyes come, and he rips that cross to Brandon Ayuk. That's exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants out of him. Just be this kid that's in high school taking a scantron. What's the right choice? What's the right choice? What's the right choice? And make it on a consistent basis. That's why I think this is the best team in football right now and the team to beat when it comes to the Super Bowl. But we can't end a Monday without having the big fella, big sexy himself, the swagoo end us with the right way, and that is big I don't know man. Y'all know it? what's coming. What the is big it? sexy is about to get what is called it? out. Tell the me what it is. The BMBs for life. And we had some dudes making plays. And here in Tampa, they should be really familiar with BMBs, oh. man. Wow. My man, the sap daddy, who used to sack everybody, knock people on the ground. He was nasty. He was mean when you can actually play defensive line in the NFL and sleep people wide. Ah. Look at the big fella. No, don't be bringing this up, though. Slow down. Oh, yeah, I like I that clip. So we got BMB coming up. I always got to highlight the big sexes, and they made plays this game. And to your point with Brock Purdy on them scantrons, all you got to do is mark C. You'll get most of them. Hey, right. hit us with the shimmy. Get him. Hey, we got more coming your way from NFL Live. The Cowboys are arriving right now. Uh -oh. There's Zeke making his way in. He's got the cardigan on. He's got the stripes going. Horizontal stripes look good on him. That's Man, not a good, good. look Man, for everybody. They, they work for him. Man, jeans tighter than Marcus's pants right now. Oh, they so tight. are a little bit tight. One we got more coming your way as Dak Prescott is making his way into the Sharp. building in just moments. Big man balling. We're also making game picks in just a little bit. The Cowboys. You see the colors? That's sharp. You see the colors? We'll be right back from Tampa Bay. Keep it right here. Right. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. NFL Live is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. It's big man bowling time. And y'all know how we turn up on this segment. Finna give you all I got, Kevin Dash. <laughs> Let me introduce y'all to the big fellas that made plays on Sunday. Let's go. Somebody better block him. All you doing is saying, where did he come from? Morgan Spears Jr. with the rip club. Go get the quarterback. Big man, people. I would be doing y'all a disservice if I didn't bring the best segment on TV. Let's go. To the people. Let's go. Share the energy with me. Get up and let's go. 
first and foremost, it's the playoffs, so I got to bring my playoff intensity. Let's go straight to San Francisco and Seattle because these boys knew that they needed to make a play on defense to swing the game, and that's exactly what they did. Let's get the sack fumble, and not only that, let another BMB recover the fumble. Bosa, the right Bosa, the Bosa that didn't get mad and throw his helmet down and cost the team a possession. That's the San Francisco 49ers way. Hey, coach, this is what D'Amico Ryan said. Coach, we need a turnover. Okay, coach, I'll oblige. Ah. Let's go make a play. Ah. That's what the 49ers do, and then we celebrate. I know y'all saw this last night. This was the most beautiful thing. Anytime we get athletic feats on television, I'm going to highlight it. Look at the little dudes. They back there running slow. They can't catch the big fella. My man Humber, he's going left, he's going right. Next time, we got to get to the sideline. We're more protected over there, but that's okay because he's still scored. Cincinnati, by the way, Dan. Yeah. One by one touchdown. That one touchdown. Yes, seven points. Who was responsible for that? The defense. BMB. BMB. Let's go. And last but not least, huh. Kayvon Thibodeau. You want to know why the New York Giants are where they are right now beyond Daniel Jones? It's because they got some young hunters up front on that defensive line. My man Kayvon Thibodeau is getting outside on the screen, tackling the tight end who they trying to run the screen with. Call another play. We better than that. And last but not least, my man Dave. Bowl and we weren't there. They got bellies because they drink a lot of beer. They were hugging. That is also classified as BMB. This has been your edition of BMB live and direct. You're welcome. Yeah! Hey, let's see the day ball dance. Can, can we can do it? Can we replicate the, the day ball and Mar Wink Martindale hug? Dan, which one are you? <laughs> Dan's You don't wing, have I enough think. belly. <laughs> he needs like a whole big belly attached to the front to even try that. All right, Tom Brady no, has arrived me. at the stadium, as you can see, going through security. You know what? Superstars are people too. They got to still okay. send their bags through security. He heads out Ethel. onto the field. And we will be taking live shots of him on the field in just moments. So you see him getting <laughs> ready to go yet? for a he's, huge he's there. Run. He's still there. Is he going? He's Lurking. Now Marcus is scared of him. All right, he looks so like Mina, we always right hear now. the key to beating Brady is pressure. So what does Brady need to do to counter that on his side tonight? Yeah, he just well, like stop, me if you, stop me if you've heard this before. We'd like to see the Bucks use play action on early no. downs to try to stop that fast rush. The TV. Um, look, the Bucks are so much better when they go tempo. Now, they obviously can't do that over the course of the entire game, but a little bit more than we've seen. And then finally, there's this. Tom Brady is the quickest release in football. Yeah. If he can just add not even like a half, like a quarter of a second today and stand in a little bit longer and maybe he's going to have to take a couple of hits, those deep pass opportunities will be there downfield. But he's going to have to wait a little bit longer than he has so far this season. I, I think the key for Tampa tonight is this, offensively. You have to break tendency. You have a year-long tendency of running the football on early downs and thinking, here, we'll get the second and eight. Defenses know that. Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady, are you guys going to, in the playoffs, flip the switch? Because here's what happens. When you consistently tell people who you are, they start to bank on knowing it. And early downs, here comes run pressures. They pinch everybody inside. They get the edge. Second and 11 now. You can't live in second and 11. You're going to run the football again. They know it. They are stacking the line of scrimmage going, all right, you guys are going to run the football. We don't have any fear of play action or you throwing the ball on those early downs. We're going to play it completely downhill. Then you're in second and 11 and second and 12 and back-to-back -back downs. Guys, this is what I want. Byron Leftwich. To start this football game, be unpredictable. Give me those early down play actions where you could protect Tom Brady 
and then you have such separation for guys like Chris Gumbel. If you want to start every concept with Mike Evans to Chris, that's fine. But if Tampa doesn't do this, straight up, crowd, if Tampa Bay does not break tendencies and throw the ball in early downs, you guys will be home tomorrow morning losers. Oh. If you do, you got a chance to win. Goodness, Marcus. Why are you telling them what to do? Well, they're My not job. playing, so it's fine. Go ahead. That's what we get paid to do. I'm, you mentioned it earlier in the show. I'm looking at the matchup away from Trayvon Diggs. I want to know if the one, Mina, to your point, are they going to be able to make Brady hold this ball for a half a second? And then, two, when you do get those man-to-man matchups on the outside, will those DBs hold up? Will yeah. it be Mullen? Will it be Rhodes? Will it be a safety over the top? I know that when I watch Mike Evans against the Carolina Panthers, every one of those touchdowns was man-to-man -to -man coverage with no help over the top. Yep. So let's take that away and see if we can hold up on other ends of the field. And then, two, you got to make sure that you take some of those early access throws away that Tom loves you gotta, to do. You, gotta, you can't give them so much space. Just make him hitch. Totally. Just make him hitch for a second and allow your rush to get there. I'd be very interested to see how they play away from Trayvon Diggs tonight. Tom Brady surveying the field. There's been lots of conversation about what tonight could mean for him. Could it be the end for the GOAT? We don't know for sure. Lisa Salter's reporting earlier that they're not talking about that, and that hasn't been the conversation. Brady going to assess things in the offseason, but he sure hopes the offseason does not start anytime soon. Let's make some game picks, everybody. Okay, who do we have in Cowboys Bucks? Mina Kimes, you get to kick us off. Who do you take it? Okay, I actually changed my mind here because the more we talked about it, the more that I remembered Dallas is the better football team. They've been the better football team wow. all season. They should win this game, so I'm picking them to win. <laughs> and we got the Cowboys. Okay, we got one for the Cowboys. Swagoo. Do y'all have to ask? Do you even have to ask? I well, don't know why. You're Give us some analysis of this I'll game. Tell you, I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys, and you know why? Because I think that Kellen Moore, and I told you this, we talked about this the week of the Washington Commanders game. I said that was very vanilla yeah. in the way that they ran offensive plays. I think they were getting ready for this week. Yeah. And I think in order to take care of Tampa, you got to attack their speed yeah. and aggressiveness on defense. I think the Cowboys do that offensively because that's the only way they win this game. I got the Dallas Cowboys! <laughs> Let's go! Dan! I I agree with Mina. Dallas is the better team. I think they're able to run the ball just a little bit. It's not going to be a big night running the football, but just a little bit. And Dak Prescott starts to create a new playoff narrative about who he is. I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So we got three for the Cowboys. You know what you said, though, when Tom Brady entered the building? You said it just oh, looks no. like he's going to win. Oh, no. You said it just looks like he was locked in. I just watched him on the field. I don't know how you guys could go against Tom Brady tonight. I'm oh, my God. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Don't you worry, my What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, 
and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply.